you're not going to believe my morning. I just recorded an entire Valentine's Day special of Canada's Pinball Podcast in which I said all these loving and glowing things about everyone in the hobby and then I go back to listen to it and it was all scratchy. It's almost like the podcasting gods don't want me to air anything positive, but I'm going to do my best to redo what I was going to say. Now, here's what's going to be fun about this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, and we've been on a roll this week giving you news, rumors, and speculations, and I have three pretty much what I'm hearing are confirmed things that are going to happen at Stern Pinball, so three things that I haven't heard anyone talk about to this level of detail that is going to happen at Stern Pinball this year. And the reason why I got this tip, it's funny, someone reached out to me and said, Chris, I'm sick of the shenanigans with Stern Pinball and this UV kit has made me so annoyed that I'm gonna give you this information that I know is happening at Stern Pinball. And I said, my man, I'll happily take it. And for those of you out there, If you have pinball news, rumors, and speculation that you feel comes from a good source, you know where to bring it. I was thinking maybe I should pay people for for pinball rumors that are confirmed, like 10 bucks for the rumor and then 100 bucks if it's confirmed to be true. Wouldn't that like just make Zach Sharp's day if I did that? Anyway, all right, so here's a few news items and we'll talk about these stern these stern things happening in 2020. So first and foremost, if you ordered a Medieval Madness from Chicago Gaming Company, uh, get ready to get your game. And I mean the new ones, the remake of the remake of the remake, the Royal Editions, the new SEs, the ones with the big screen, and the sexy toppers. The first one was unboxed yesterday. It's been a really long wait for you guys. I know you ordered it months and months and months ago, but they are now on the line and they are shipping to people. So that is great news. Now, I also got a a response to my last podcast, which is interesting because I said that Jersey Jack Pinball was going to move its design and manufacturing all under one roof in Chicago. Now, they already have design there for the most part. Now, what I did not say is that they were combining with Stern Pinball. I saw on Pinside, it's amazing how a story starts to take a life of itself. I did not say they were going to combine with Stern Pinball or anyone else in the Chicago area. It just makes more sense for them to do this, I think, for a financial reason. And we'll see if it happens. Jersey, Illinois Pinball is not as nice as Jersey Jack Pinball. And so I also, I, I guess I was pronouncing uh, it's Amtron, not Amtron, which is American Pinball, the, the company that is now acquiring American Pinball. It's always been part of it from the very get-go. But And I also, when I said that the Chicago Gaming Company would be working with Mark Ritchie on an original licensed game, the company that they're partnering with, I believe I said was game mechanics, but it's actually play mechanics. And if you Google play mechanics with an X at the end, an alien, they actually made an alien arcade machine, I believe with raw thrills. So this adds a little bit more truth to the rumor that this might happen. And if you're Fox and you're in your play mechanics and you've worked with Fox before in making an alien game, I bet Fox is pretty pissed off how their alien pinball machine never really saw the light of day, and maybe this is going to happen. We know the demand is there. If you made a great alien pinball machine and had great sound and great modes and put everything people loved about alien into it, 
you would sell thousands of them. This is the perfect theme for pinball. And I think it's silly that no one has really aggressively tried to solve the problems that Andrew Highway created with the alien property. All right, what else is going on? So we also talked about how American Pinball, you know, we're going to get the same results with the same team. And I think I undersold a little bit of the biggest development, and that is that Jim Patla, I believe is his name, uh, is part of the American Pinball team now. Now, if you don't know Jim Patlaw, he is he has a long history in pinball. He was the game designer in the 70s and 80s for almost 40 games, games like Centaur, games like Kiss, and he has extensive, extensive experience uh, coming from the management team at Williams Pinball. So him being on board at American Pinball is a very good thing. He's going to be at TPF. Now, he also, you know, he hasn't made games in a while. He wasn't part of the whole 90s era of pinball. And if you look at his roster of game design, it does sort of end in that more solid state period of pinball. Now, that being said, so what? Let's see what he can do. Because I think what I've always said is American pinball needs their George Gomez. And can Jim become the George Gomez of American pinball? I would still love to talk to these guys from a marketing standpoint because I just, I, I don't know, I think they can push further than themes like Hot Wheels if that's the theme. But let's see. March is coming up super, super duper fast. I mean, we are going to see what's next from American Pinball, Deep Root. We're going to see Stern's next game. We're going to see Jersey Jack's next game. All, all within that March to April window. Going to be awesome. Going to be more than enough content. So you guys don't have to listen to Canada's Pinball Podcast, you other podcasters, because it's all going to be public knowledge, all right? So Scott Denisi interview happening, happening on Sunday now, because Scott Denisi and Jack Danger are going to do like a world premiere streaming of Rick and Morty Pinball tomorrow at 12 central time. So one o'clock my time. God, it's going to be a beautiful sunny day in New York, and I got to sit inside and watch pinball, but I'm going to do it. Because I think this means this is it. I think this game might be played. I don't know if it's going to be at Spooky. I think it's at an actual bar, like a location out there in the world, which means hopefully they finally received enough approvals from Adult Swim to get these games out the door because they've probably built by now 40 to 50 games, maybe 60, Charlie told me, by the time they're going to start shipping. So the floodgates are going to open. We're going to see a lot of unboxings at once because they've been stockpiling the games they've been making and just waiting on approvals. And I'm number 50, so I can't wait to finally get my game. What I could wait for is the sticker shock of what I think it's going to be. I think my game with tax, with butter cabinet, is going to be over $10,000. It's over 10k by Christmas, right? I can't believe a spooky game is $10,000. What has happened to this hobby? I can't believe we have to replace a metal apron in a stern machine when they could have just gave us the metal apron from the factory with the UV lighting. Now, talking of UV lighting, I got hit up from Ben Heck, and he said, Chris, do you realize that uh, pinball clear coats use automotive clear? Now, automotive clear is designed to keep UV lighting out. So if this game is letting UV lighting in, Stern might be using different clear coat for Stranger Things, and that might be just why 
The clear in this game is dimpling and cratering worse than most other Stern releases recently. Maybe that's why. I'm not 100% sure. I was also wondering, are there any laws or regulations about shipping or selling products that omit UV light? Because UV light is dangerous. UV light is what's found in tanning beds. And so did Stern hold this back to avoid any potential sales regulations that UV light products might have? Not sure, completely making that up. It sounds really smart. I sound really smart right now and today. Maybe it was the margaritas I drank last night. It's Valentine's Day, people. You better have plans for your partner tonight. You better be taking someone out for a nice dinner. You bet, and do not do this. Do not sit across from your wife tonight or your partner tonight and do not start talking about pinball. If you do, I hope your partner throws a glass of red wine in your face. You know me, you know, I'm a drink tosser apparently, but you know what I'm saying? Don't, don't spoil this night. There is nothing that's less romantic on planet earth than pinball. I mean, sometimes I'm at dinner and Brenda looks at me. She's like, don't, don't, don't. Like she sees me texting. She's like, who are you talking? It's, it, is it pinball? Don't, don't. And she's right. I shouldn't. Okay. So maybe that's the issue with the UV lighting. Oh, man. All that debate back and forth. Everyone, it's Valentine's Day. Make love, not war. Make love, not war. I do enough like warmongering in this industry, in this hobby, right? I create too much drama with people. God, he's so annoying. You know, they want me to host the Twippies. Someone's been putting my name down. I think the committee's been, you know, sort of exploring Canada hosting the Twippy Awards. Let me tell you what I told someone who, who asked me this. I said, Axel Rose, Axel don't host the VMAs, man. I'm not going to host the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm outside the box, man. I'm outside the networks. I'm outside of the hosting of shows. It's not what I do. I get that I might be entertaining. I get that I might have the kind of personality that could keep a show like that going. I would go full Ricky Gervais on the show at the beginning. I would have to have an opening monologue, but it's just not my thing. I don't want to be up there on stage. You know who I think should host the show? I think it should be Jack Danger or I think, to me, the best, because even Jack, like, I think some of us, we're, we're, we're too, I don't want to say, like, divisive, but we've got our own brands, and, and our brands are different than, I think, who should host the show. You know who I think should really host it? I think Ed Robertson would make the best host on the planet. Ed Robertson, if you're listening to this show, I know you're expensive, I know your hourly rate trumps mine, but do it. You love, you'll probably be there. Just get up there. I know. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I think Greg and Zach did a great job. And, you know, you can't – there's a lot of work that prep that goes into hosting a show. You can't just get up there and spitball it. I'm a more of a spitball kind of guy. I don't like to do much research. Anyway, all right. When are we going to get to those stern tips and rumors and whatever? Not tips. They're not tips. I'm not going to teach you how to play pinball better. How do you really teach someone how to play pinball better on a podcast? Isn't that something you want to see? I never understood that when you get like the tournament talk podcast. Okay, we're going to teach you how to get better, but you need to see stuff. It's not like we're, we have a shortage of streams that show us how to play pinball better. Anyway, everyone do your shows. Everyone enjoy your shows. I guess it's just all for, for the fun and games of it all. That's what pinball is about, and it should be about that, all right? It should be, but I'm a competitive person, and if I'm going to make a podcast, I do want it to be the best podcast, the most entertaining podcast on planet Earth. And the thing that tells you you're popular 
are the numbers of listeners, right? And that's why I share them with you on every episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We have some good shows. We have some bad shows. We have some great shows. We have some horrible shows, but we always give you shows. Okay, so Stern Rumor, Stern Rumor, anything else? Anything else I'm missing? All right, anything else I'm missing? I don't think so. Let's get right to the reason why you've lasted the last 12 minutes on this podcast. These are the three things happening at Stern Pinball in 2020. Yes, they are rumors, but I'm getting these from, as I mentioned, a really good source who is fed up with Stern's UV shenanigans. Okay, so I am, I'm, I'm going to give these to you in order of, I think, least significance to most significant, okay? All right, so what, what happened this last few months ago or a month ago, you know, Stern surprised us all with the the vaulting of a vault edition of Iron Man. Now, the first thing that I know is going to happen at Stern Pinball is they are going to bring another title back. And sorry, it's not Lord of the Rings or Tron, which is what everybody wants. Stern is going to do in 2020 another run of a game you all know very well. And that game, which you all don't need another run of which you could have bought already 18 times over that game is metallica so stern is doing another run of metallica pinball in 2020 okay hmm what do we think of that not surprised they're just gonna keep making some of these games because they're easy to put on the line they probably sell decently well and they probably have leftover parts and they want to just get rid of them all so that's that. The next thing I'm hearing, number two on Canada's Valentine's Day, let's spoil Stern's news of 2020, is that Led Zeppelin is happening. But Led Zeppelin is not going to be a reskin of Quicksilver. Led Zeppelin is going to be an all-original new game made by no other than the king himself, Steve Ritchie. So Steve Ritchie is making Led Zeppelin and it will be revealed at Expo 2020, all right? So that's a little bit of a news on a title that we've been hearing a lot of rumors about, Led Zeppelin. Steve Ritchie, original game. All right, number three. And again, two and three, I think, are equally maybe of significance. So this is another, another old title that Stern is bringing back into play. Now, this is a theme that is humongous within, I think, the pinball buying demographic. It's a theme that was never quite done the right way. And for some reason, this game never hit when it came out. It had a lot of nice sort of unique design layouts and toys. I, I don't know. I mean, I think you could look at this game and say... It's loaded. I think you could look at the game and say, well, there's a lot of stuff stuck on it, but there's really not that much. But it didn't go down as one of the better games in Stern's portfolio. And it never really reached up to the popularity of the theme itself. And so I think what they're going to try and do is breathe new life into it with a new package, okay, a new, a new presence of this game. Now, I don't know if they're going to do what they did with Spider-Man with it and actually revisit some of the game and, and make improvements, but the game that Stern is bringing back in 2020 is no other than Transformers, okay? They are going to bring back Transformers, and the way they're doing it is Stern is going to do it comic book art style a la what they just did with Star Wars, 
So will this work? And I'm not sure if they're going to do the current Transformer art package, comic book art, or if they're going to go back more towards the old school G1 comic book style. But that is what Stern, I'm hearing, the rumor is, is that Stern is going to reissue Transformers with comic book style art. And that's happening in 2020 as well. So that's like, all of a sudden, it's like, wow. So we got Ninja Turtles, Transformers, Metallica, Led Zeppelin. And Led Zeppelin will be considered, I didn't mention this, it will be considered a cornerstone title from Stern Pinball. So if you now consider Stranger Things to be a 2020 title, Ninja Turtles a cornerstone, and Led Zeppelin a cornerstone, well, that's three cornerstone titles all of a sudden. So I don't know, are are we seeing, do we now know what most of the big titles will be? Now, if Led Zeppelin is in expo in October, November time period, then that means there will be another Stern game that comes out in summer. And they usually bring a cornerstone game out in the summertime the way they brought out Jurassic Park in the summer. So usually June, July is is when Stern's next cornerstone will hit after its March, April cornerstone game. All right, and then they're gonna fill in the gaps with some of these remakes and reissues. So that is what I'm hearing is happening. Let's see if Kaneda goes three for three on these. Let's see if Zach Sharp calls someone into his office and starts yelling at them right now. How did he know? Where does Kaneda get his source material from? And if you have rumors about anything happening in pinball, email me at KanedaPinball at gmail.com and I will do my best to try and verify stuff. But stuff like this, I mean, I don't care. I hear stuff like this, I'm going to tell you. But this comes from a very trusted friend who's got a very trusted source. And it and I'll just leave it at that, okay? So I, I, I think this is gonna happen. All right, everyone, you know, I, I, on my other show, I read some of your emails, and I wanna thank all of you who have emailed me in. Instead of reading the emails again, because I just, I, I, I can't. I can't do the same show twice. And believe me, I said such beautiful things about all of you. I just wanna call out a couple, a couple uh, people who emailed me and what they said. I'll paraphrase it. How's that sound? All right, I'm opening up Pinball at gmail.com. I mean, I love having an inbox of emails where I get to see, you know, what's going on in your guys' world. So Matthew Stevens, Matthew basically said to me, Chris, I'm an LE owner of Stranger Things and I'm not buying this UV kit. This is the straw that broke the camel's back and I'm done with Stern for now. And I think a lot of people out there share Matthew and Matt's opinions about this kit. But here's the problem, Matt. It's like, if you're $9,100 in on an LE, how are you not going to just cave eventually and put this in your game? And it's hard not to do it. It's it's unfortunate. I don't like the business practice, but I don't see how you could play that game. And every time you go into the upside down mode, knowing there's a really cooler way to experience that in the game you're not going to get because of $280, right? I mean, people are spending $750 on a crappy R2-D2 topper. It's just the fact that this should have been part of the game. I get it. And people who have their principles will stay out of this. They they won't go in on it. But it's unfortunate. I've never seen anything like this. I, I mean, I've been covering this hobby for years. I've just never seen any feature where you had to pay extra to unlock it like this since I've been covering this hobby. So I think it's scummy. 
And I think people feel that way. And I'm not sure why there's so many. There's not so many. There's like a few vocal. And they're very vocal on Pinside. You know, stern apologist who just, it's weird to me. It's like you've got guys that just have so much money that I think they just like to sort of, you know, bump their chest against everyone else and, and beat their chest how how we're all a bunch of whiners and complainers and we have FOMO and, and we're suckers. And, and, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, it, it's not about, again, because it's just not about the money. No one's complaining that you're not getting your value. I mean, you get a metal apron if you have an LE or a premium. That costs more money than the plastic one. I think the pro kit should be cheaper for sure. The pro one's not giving you a metal apron. I think the pro kit should be like 200 bucks. I don't know why it's the same price. And it sucks because if you have a pro... You can't, even though you're spending 280, you can't install the metal apron into your game because the brackets are different for the apron because the Ellian Premium apron, it has uh, different connections because of the projector that's inside that apron. So don't think you can upgrade either. Oh man, I just wish it didn't happen. Got an email from, let's see, do, do, do. Kelly Daniel said, Chris, it's your fault Stern's doing all this stuff. You keep giving them these marketing ideas and then they're taking advantage of them. Well, it's just marketing. You know, marketing is how do we increase our market share? How do we increase our revenue? But here's here's the other part of marketing that Stern's falling down on. They're as much as they're increasing revenue, I think they're losing, I think they're losing people's goodwill. And I think they're turning people off. And that's not good marketing. You don't want to load your books up this year only to realize like you're turning more and more people away next year. Because here's what's going to happen. When the economy gets kind of lean, you're going to need to have your core enthusiast base satisfied. They're they're going to be the people that pull you through the hard times. Now, unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, there haven't been any hard times and there hasn't been any competition for Stern in like a decade. And so because of that, they really are operating in, in such a unique way. Like the, if you're them right now, you have no competition. You can do whatever you want. You've got thousands of people that buy your products every year and you keep increasing the prices while yanking stuff out of games and they're still buying. You haven't even reached your ceiling yet on what people will pay for a game that has a bomb of close to $3,000. I mean, they sold people $15,000 Elvira's that only cost them around three to $4,000 to make. And they must be saying that to themselves, could we have got 18? Could we have got 20? The one game where it all failed, the, 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 the marketing experiment was a total failure, was Beatles. And what sucks is this, it didn't fail for Stern. Stern sold through their Beatles allotment. Stern is not sitting on Beatles inventory. What sucks for Stern's distributors is Beatles because Stern distributors are the ones that had to play along with that ridiculous sales package. You had to buy 10 golds to get one or two platinums to get one diamond edition. So they made people buy like 12 games just to get that rare version of the game. And then people realized it, there was nothing special about it. And so that is why if you go on eBay today, it's flooded. The top games that keep coming up are, are, are jerksters trying to sell 
you know, Diamond Edition Beatles for $25,000, $28,000. And some people actually spent $25,000 on the game. I've seen Beatles Diamonds new in box sell for like $12,000, $14,000. It's not even worth that. If you stand over a Platinum Edition one, it looks exactly the same. And again, it was just like, are you really going to spend something like $17,000 more than a Beatles Gold just because of a little meaningless, worthless plaque, right? They didn't even do anything else in the game for you. No, no, not even a unique mode, but it failed. And I'm glad it failed because I think they overestimated the popularity of Beatles today within this demographic. And I think they got lazy because they just reskinned an old game. It just wasn't special. Now, if they had, now imagine this if they had made something like a crazy Beatles, like Yellow Submarine, sort of John Papa Duke, Magic Girl kind of looking game with that's just looks like a psychedelic, crazy, you know, ramps and magnets and shots and loop-de-loops and submarines going into lower play fields with holograms. If they had gone over the top and made only 150 Yellow Submarine Beatles pinball machines at $20,000 a pop, yeah, then you sell every one because you actually did some work. You didn't just throw artwork on an old game and call it a day. Sorry, it didn't work. It didn't work. Okay, anyway, so here's my thing. Here's my thing. I got another email from a guy. Let me let me tell you his name. He, he said he, he at first he didn't like Star Wars, and now he likes it, and he played the premium, and he wanted to know if I had changed my mind on Star Wars. Yeah, so it was Alex Boz. He said I, I, the interview with Damian Haggis was great and that he's played Star Wars and, and, and loves it now and wanted to know what I think. And, and I've said it before, like, Star Wars to me is a total miss for two, two reasons. The code is just a complicated nightmare, and I don't care. It's like, I, it's just, it's not the journey of Star Wars. It's all mashed together. But ultimately, where I don't like is, is the, the lack of creativity in the game itself. And Star Wars is one of the greatest movies with the greatest source material to make some of the greatest creative things happen in a pinball machine. Let me give you an example. How do you not sit down in a room and say, let's have an, an AT-AT walker, like an AT-AT walker. You know the ones in Empire Strikes Back where they loop the cables around the legs and it falls down? How do you not, with all of your engineering ability, Stern, how do you not design an, an AT-AT walker in which there's an orbit that goes around its legs and you keep shooting the orbit, okay? And then it's walking, and then if you shoot the orbit enough, it falls down. It like leans down like in the movie. How do you not make that an amazing mode, magical moment in pinball? Instead, we get this, uh, what I think is just an uninspired game. I'm sorry. It's just uninspired. It feels like they moved over a mech that Richie had been working on for something else and put it into Star Wars. The Hyperloop is not a big part of the Star Wars world. You have no lightsabers that even light up on the game. It's just, I'm tired of, 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 of talking about uh, what I think is the biggest uninspired creative translation of the biggest theme ever, which is Star Wars. So, But you bring up a good point. If you like the game, and you play a game and you enjoy it and you love it, that's all that matters. I'm one opinion. It's my opinion that I think Stranger Things could have been so much more and, and lacks creativity. That's my opinion. If you like it, great. I, I think there's so much I think if you look at that game, there's hardly anything physically going on in the game. Hardly anything. I, I don't I don't know how you argue against it. And so much of the stuff that is supposed to wow us is not really interactive. And so it's just more screens, more lights, more this. 
But how about actually designing a magical mechanism coming from a guy that's known for creating the most magical mech of all time? I'm sorry, I just see it as a miss. And I think a lot of people feel the same way as me. And, and that's cool. But if you love it, that's great. It's Why do people, you know, that's it. It's like you open up a machine. If you enjoy it, enjoy it. If you don't, don't buy it. If you buy it and don't enjoy it, you can easily sell it. It's the great thing about pinball. You know, I could go buy an $8,000 Gucci blazer, right? I could go buy it today. If I don't like the way the jacket fits or I get bored of it and I go to sell it like a month from now, you're not going to get anywhere near eight grand. And trust me, you can buy $8,000 blazers at Gucci. Trust me, you can, which is crazy. So, you know, for all things considered, this is still a great hobby to be a part of that you're not going to, you know, lose the shirt off your back if you're not happy about a game after buying it, okay? All right. Well, look, guys, have a happy Valentine's Day. Again, take care of your health, take care of your family, take care of yourselves, and, you know, as you're out tonight, do not talk pinball. Please, please give your partner a break. Have a happy Valentine's Day. We'll be back. We'll be back with Scott Denisi. I'm talking to Bill Webb as well. We're going to talk pinball. I know I feel bad. When I talked to Bill, like it was all muffled when I was on special one late. So I've always wanted him to come back on and our, our schedules haven't lined up, but we're going to make it happen. Uh, everyone, enjoy your pinball. We'll talk to you soon. Whoa.